Forbidden Love is a Centre for Stories project dedicated to love in all its forms. Four storytellers worked alongside story trainer Sukjit Kaur Khalsa to perform their stories for a series of live events. This event was held on Valentine's Day in 2021. Whether it's waiting at a bar for an hour to meet your next Tinder date or putting up with your partner's questionable taste in music, love makes us do strange and wonderful things. So let's celebrate love by listening to love stories. Dore Khan's story, Ajiba Janai, or Strange Girl, is a recount of her childhood in Pakistan and the development of her first crush. She remembers these moments while comparing her love life today. I woke up this morning to the smell of banana pancakes cooking in my kitchen, the smell of burnt sugar, cardamom and cinnamon as sunshine pulled through Venetian blinds and defrosted my cold air-conditioned bones. And upstairs, the neighbor was practicing clarinet, albeit very badly. And below my window, Ian, our community gardener, was whistling along trying to save the remainder of our garden because we have no retic. And outside, there were people wearing hues of red and pink and walking to Modus Coffee, all smiley face, not wearing masks. And there was this general feeling of relaxation after what was a very stressful week for most of us Western Australians in the middle of a pandemic that keeps deciding, are we, are we not, are we, are we not? <laughs> and I was in bed on this perfect Sunday with my cat curled up in this perfect little croissant, making little snoring, okay, big snoring sounds that was kind of meddling in with all these other sounds, creating this beautiful, choir and on this perfect day in this perfect apartment in this perfect suburb I felt something coming up in my stomach that felt a little less than perfect but it was this feeling that I was so used to and yet a feeling that can only be described in a language that I have forgotten that was part of so long ago the word ajiba and I wish I could describe what the word ajiba was, but there is no equivalent in your language. It only exists in approximation. So, ajiba, ajiba, kind of like, I don't know, a 13 degree day in December in Perth, or um, I don't know, magpies flying over an oval in the middle of the day, or the first sip of milk that you know is definitely off, ajiba. The smell in the back of the closet, ajiba. Weird, strange, out of place, awkward. Ajiba was also a word that was used to describe me a lot as a child. It's a word I'm very familiar with. I grew up in a tiny town called Peshawar in the middle of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. It's the year 2000. We have dial-up internet. We also have state-sanctioned censorship. And on Fridays, you have the bootleg movie makers sitting on their little stalls on their haunches, and suddenly they hear the adhan and they cover up their pictures of Jennifer Aniston in a bikini and that Tomb Raider poster that everybody knows and we're not looking at those guns, those guns. And they walk single file to the mosque and they sit there and listen to a bearded man give a sermon about how the country is going to shit because we have a female prime minister. And then they walk out of this mosque, hand in hand, the men walking past posters towards the nearest McDonald's, posters advertising toothpastes with happy families, 
except the mothers have their faces scratched off. Yes, this is growing up in the Islamic Republic of Pakistan, the year 2000, and might I say, it is very ajiba. We lived in this very beautiful, old, formerly colonial house, and when I say we, I mean it was me, my siblings, my parents, their siblings, their parents, and I think there was a dog at some point. And to say that the concept of privacy did not exist is making it, like, it's, it's, yeah, there was no concept of privacy. That, too, was very ajiba. So at any one point, in any one room in this house, there would be ten people talking in different languages. There'd be a bismillah here, alhamdulillah here. There'd be pop songs. We'd be singing Britney Spears in a corner, gyrating. It was ajiba. But it was one of the happiest times in my life. And in the evenings, when the cooking was done and everyone had eaten, we'd sit together in this living room while my parents would watch old Bollywood movies. You know the ones, the ones where there are these beautiful big doe-eyed girls running between mountains in Switzerland in these very flimsy saris and they're kind of coyly avoiding kisses from mustachioed men with lots of chest hair and these obscene-looking shirts. And my grandmothers and aunties, my mother would all look at my uncles and my father and uh, grandfather and they'd go, ah. And then the men would hide behind the newspapers, coyly, trying to get away from promises they never were able to keep. Yeah, those were the days. And then after all this was done, my older cousin, my mother and my grandmother and all my aunties would start carrying all the dishes and plates to the kitchen all making little jibes at the men's virility, talking about, oh, yes, it's not like in the movies, is it? And I'm like, what's not like in the movies? And, like, and then my cousin would turn to me and go, you don't understand, you're too little. I'd like to point out here that I was 13 years old. And in the words of Britney Spears, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. That was my answer. Um, but I digress. Now, we have an interesting relationship. She's my older cousin. She was older than me by four years. And that was also coincidentally the year that I started junior high. I don't know what you call it here, but I started junior high. And my older cousin, she was a senior at the school. A lot taller than me, a lot prettier than me, a lot slimmer than me, but she's not funnier than me. At least I have that. I have a sense of humor. You have to. In my situation, you really have to. Um, so I started junior high, which my older cousin's friends would all sit on these stairs in front of school, braiding each other's hair, reading Cosmo Girl hidden between chemistry books, because you're not allowed Cosmo Girl in the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. No, anything that won't educate you about your body is probably a good thing. So meanwhile, I'm trying to make an impression in this brand new school, running from pillar to post, trying to sign up to debate team and squash team and netball and drama club. See, I really, really, really wanted to be an actor when I grew up. I still want to be an actor when I grow up. When that'll happen, I do not know. And that's when I signed up to the drama club in our school. And every year, the drama club would put on a performance for our seniors who were graduating that year. And coincidentally, that year, they needed a stage manager. Enter me, stage left. Hello, I would like to join drama club. Now, I know that that was not exactly my first preference. I really wanted to be lead actor, but that's okay. I could weasel my way in somehow. Just had to start at the bottom. So at the first meeting for drama club, I show up ridiculously early, 30 minutes early, and I'm sitting there waiting for everyone to pull in. And in come the rock stars, the seniors, all the different people in the different roles show up. And I'm taking a role. And then I come down the list to a name that I 
that still follows me around in the corner of my mind at various points in my life. Wajiha. No, Wajiha, no sound. Wajiha. And then through the door walks in a tall, lanky person with the most adorably floppy brown hair and these Coke bottle Buddy Holly glasses. And then there was that really heavy feeling like a weight in the pit of my stomach tugging on my heart that felt like some kind of helium balloon, that feeling of ajiba. She walks in. Sorry, I'm here. Yes, yes, you definitely are here. Please, please sit down. And thus began the most confusing time. And when you're 13, a lot of confusing things happen to you. But this was perhaps the most confusing time in my life. Again, Islamic Republic of Pakistan, lots of censorship, no Cosmo girl, not knowing what's happening. Why, why am I feeling also very, very mixed up and strange? So this is three weeks of rehearsals between me and this cohort. My older cousin, she was a lead performer as the love interest of Wajiha, who's playing the other lead. And God, if you knew anything about my cousin, she just cannot act to save her life. She has this sigh that she does that's so heavy, you could stub your toe on it. It's like a, <sighs> And she'd read these lines without passion or gusto, and I'd, no, you need to hold Wajiha's hands, your fa her face in your hands, and just say these lines with passion. She's like, all right, chill, what, what's gotten into you? Why are you so, I just want the play to be really good, okay? Comes to opening night, I'm nervous. I'm nervous for many reasons. One, my older cousin, she was terrible at her lines. She's barely learned them. Two, it's, we haven't sold all the tickets. Three, like, is everyone gonna show up? Are they gonna make me look like an idiot? And I'm standing there trembling with this giant folder, as stage managers would know, giant folder with all these things. And, and I start thinking about the future. And not the far future, more the near future. This is probably, the last time I'm going to see this cohort of people at this play, this is a time before Facebook. This is a time before MySpace. This is a time where once a person's out of your life, they're out of your life, see you later, you're never going to see them again. And I started thinking about Wajiha. And being around Wajiha made this bearable. Those jokes, those dimples, those glasses, that floppy hair. And I was never going to see her again. And I started thinking, oh, maybe I could, always, I could ask her if she wants to be pen pals. Yeah, we can be friends. That's what this is. I just really want to be her friend. A really, really good friend. I start penning a letter in my head. And so the scenes go on, and I grab a scrap of paper from my file, and I write a little note. Dear Wajiha, you've done an excellent job playing Feathertop. I have so enjoyed our time together. I was wondering if maybe you'd like to be my pen friend. We have the same interests. We both like cats. <laughs> love? No, not love. Your friend. There's your icon. And I fold it up, really little and teeny tiny, and pop it inside her jacket that's on the side. Then I realized something. I should probably add a little addendum. Pull it out again. P.S. Can we meet at the gates after this is over? I'd really like to talk. Fold it up, pop it back into the jacket, and there we go. The show is pottering along. Wajia's smashing. She looks so good in that jacket. And then the show comes to a close. Well, curtains shut. I start congratulating everybody. Everyone else, you're all doing really, really well. And I leave to go attend to something else and let them get dressed. It gets to closing time. I'm waiting at the gates, hoping Wajia's gotten my notes. 
check my breath. Okay, it's, it's all right. We're not getting very close, it's fine. And then someone taps me on the shoulder and I turn around. And it's Mrs. Iftikhar, the drama teacher, holding a giant crate going, oh, thank God, can you just take this to my Jeep? Please, it's so heavy. So reluctantly, I grab her giant box that she's given me and I run to her Jeep, almost falling over on myself so I don't miss Virginia and I chuck it in there, run back to the gate. I have another one, can you please take this one as well? Now this happens a total of three times. I don't know what she was packing in those boxes, but it felt like sandbags, they probably were the sandbags. When the final box was loaded into the Jeep and I turned towards the school, it was like tumbleweeds. There was no one there but me and the gatekeeper and I thought maybe there's a small chance. I head inside, I stand by the gate and Chokidar Kaka, the gatekeeper, is like, oh, have your parents not come to get you yet? I go, no, my auntie's coming, still waiting for her, it's fine. Is anyone else in here? Like, no, no, everyone's gone. And then, oh, but a young lady did leave this for you. And she handed, he handed me the boater hat that Wajia was wearing on opening night, which I'd lent her for feather top. And in the hat band, under this marigold, I saw a little sheet of paper. And my hands started getting sweaty. It's almost as if I forgot how fingers work. <laughs> and I'm holding it, and I'm pulling it, and I'm very delicately unfurling it. And I read the note, and it said, Dear Dory, thank you for being such a great stage manager. I hope all your dreams come true after high school. All the best, Wajiha. And that's all she wrote. No address, no contact details. Maybe she didn't want to be my pet friend. And I don't know why, but at that very moment for my 13-year-old self, I'd never felt such a feeling of rejection. And the funny thing was, there was nothing wrong with that note. There wasn't anything mean written in it. But there's also nothing nice written in it, nothing to look forward to. And so with this crumpled note in hand, I stand at the gate, stare into space, and I feel a tap on my shoulder. I turn around and it's my older cousin. Oi, you going or not? And so I drag myself to the car. Disgruntled mother is waiting for us with 101 suggestions on how this play could have been better, more organized. And then she starts complaining about my uncle and how men can't get anything right and how everything was crappy and how her marriage is crappy. And at this point, I could feel this feeling coming up and it was building and I was like a little 13-year-old's pus-filled pimple and I just erupted. And like, if you fucking hate men so much, why do you fucking marry them? Why don't you just marry other women? And she turned around and looked at me and then looks in her windscreen, Ajibajinae? Gosh, you're a weird girl. Many years later, when Facebook was invented, <laughs> I decided to, I wouldn't say stalk, okay, I totally stalked Wajiha. And the funny thing is, I did find her. She lives in Canada now. She is married to a woman. <laughs> So I was right, the old gay guy. <laughs> she has two beautiful children and she's a human rights lawyer. And I started thinking about all those times, about all those things that didn't quite piece perfectly, that pieced a jiba. And I realized there is no word for queer in my language. And there was no concept of what a lesbian was, or what bisexuality was, or what queerness was. 
because there was so much censorship then. And I started thinking if there was a word for what I was, who I am, in my own language, what would it be? And I cannot think of a better word than ajiba, because ajiba, not like weird, not ajiba out of place, ajiba more like, fuck you, I'm queer. <laughs> and yeah, I think I like that word for me now. Woo! We hope you enjoyed this story. Forbidden Love was possible with funding from Creative Partnerships Australia and the Centre for Stories Story Supporters. Learn more about the Centre for Stories and the projects we're working on at centreforstories.com.